uh, we're good. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of In the Zone, uh, episode 85 today, here with Giancarlo Alino. As you can see, this guy's beautiful haircut. And we have Anthony Pinello with a nice black screen over here. Um, I want to quickly talk about Backlash to start. It was a it was a pretty good pay per view considering that there was probably like the build for the the build was almost non existent for me. Uh, besides maybe like two matches, I didn't really there was no build at all. Um, I didn't even know Oscar and Nia Jax was a thing. I didn't know that was happening. So I'll start. I'll start with the uh, the pre show match. You had Andrade and Apollo Cruz on the pre show, which again it's kind of funny. They've been They've been relatively busy on Raw, Andrade, Zelina, Garza for like two months now. And they put that on the pre-show. What did you guys think of this match? And did you guys think this belonged on the pre-show? Uh, probably not. There's always Mac. They always like load up the cards and there's always like solid talent that's left off. We see it with the cruiserweight division all the time, but... This was solid, as expected. I mean, you look at the two guys involved. The U.S. title is getting some love now, which is awesome. Uh, primarily on Raw, we've been seeing that every week. Um, but yeah, for a pre-show match, you know, you gave them like 10 minutes, they did what they can do. I thought it was solid. Yeah, I'm with you there. like what they're doing with the U.S. title. It's about time. Trying to make it more a little bit uh, legitimate. Trying to make it more significant for some of these guys. Especially see Apollo Crews when he wanted that promo he cut, so... Hopefully it's on an upward trend and it doesn't turn into something where we see it for a couple of weeks. Like when Andrade was holding it, there would be a time where he's defending it one week and then the next week you don't really see him on TV and kind of make it like a prop. I want to see them make it more of a legitimate thing. So when somebody wins, it looks like a stepping stone for their career. I was going to say uh, Garza and Andrade have been kind of going at it the last couple of weeks. Uh, they've been costing each other matches. Do you guys think Apollo Cruz his run's going to be a long one? Do you see him maybe aligning with MVP, maybe turning heel? And if he does, would you guys want to see a Kevin Owens versus Apollo Cruz feud? I know we always say Kevin Owens is you know better than a mid card type guy, but Drew McIntyre is doing his thing right now. Do you guys think that would maybe be best for Rod for the ratings? I'm with uh, for the U.S. title. I'm kind of. I want them to just stay what they're doing. I like uh, I like what Apollo's doing. They kind of like brought him up from mediocrity and they gave him this chance and everything's kind of flowing right now. With KO, I'd find a way to get him back in that U.S. title picture. I don't know if they should just shove him right back into the main event scene that may like, I don't know if, I don't want to say ruffle feathers, but it would seem kind of random to just throw him in that spot. So I would just, I would let it play out the way it is right now. Yeah, I don't want to see him in the mid-card too long. I think he's a main event guy. But when you look at Drew McIntyre, he's holding it. Uh, the challengers that could possibly come up and challenge him for it. I don't know if KO is in those plans right now. So maybe we're looking at a situation where he's going either feuding for the U.S. title or he has to go back and wrestle Seth again. So they're kind of in a corner with Kevin Owens. I feel bad. That's been the recurring theme with Kevin Owens since like 2018 it's just like oh what do we do with kevin owens do we give him a mid-card title or do we put him in a marquee singles match and just, just go from there but the momentum for kevin owens has never really been there i mean he's beaten cb beat seth rollins and then what then nothing happened so 
It's just what he, I feel bad for for Kevin Owens. I really want to see him actually wrestle at a pay per view. That to me was eye popping. Not seeing him wrestle at Backlash, I think that was just it, it, it threw me off a bit. Not seeing him wrestle, not seeing guys like even AJ. Um, it, it just it threw me off. Not seeing any of those guys wrestle at this pay per view, but. Moving on, we had the women's tag team championship match. We saw, you know, the Iconics finally have come back, and they've been pretty good. Um, they've been beating, uh, they beat Liv Morgan, Natalia pretty handily on Raw. You know, they've been beating a lot of different tag teams on Raw the last couple of weeks. Do you guys see this rejuvenation of the Iconics necessary, or do you think it's maybe kind of too late because their first go around was not the greatest? I know that at the time when we saw the tag division for the women. They were basically the only proper tag team. So my question is, do you guys like Bailey and Sasha being tag team champions where you have Becky, uh, where you have Bailey two belts, or do you, do you want to see the appropriate tag team in Alexa bliss and Nikki cross or the iconics hold on to it for a long period of time? Give me a, uh, give me Bailey and Sasha for right now. Love what Bailey's doing with her heel work and, and, you know, she's taken the lead in that tag team with Sasha, which is pretty surprising, and it's been working. Uh, but for the Iconics, they kind of just forgot about them when they lost their tag team titles. Like, they had it for, it was the record-breaking title reign, and, you know, they would just come out and do, like, these comedic uh, skits every week, but they weren't really taking the title seriously. I think this is a shot of redemption for them. The triple threat tag match at Backlash, I thought, was solid. Everyone got their spots in. So, for me, I'm just happy that the titles are at the forefront now. And, you know, they're on Bailey and Sasha, and Bailey's also a women's champion, so you know they're going to be featured pretty much every week. So I just love everything that's involved right now, all the teams that are involved, all the work that they're doing. But for now, I'm going to keep it on Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, they should keep it on Bailey and Sasha for now. I like the Iconics as being the only real team that they have. Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, kind of thrown together. They made it work. But I think for teams in NXT, like that's a path to get it. If you want to be on the main roster, you want to get there quickly. Some of these NXT trainees coming in should just go, let's be a tag team right now. Let's develop a name. Let's get something catchy going because that team, the tag team division for the women is lacking a lot of depth. So if someone from NXT can come up and get some buzz and they want to be singles competitors, maybe down the road, being a tag team gets you on the main roster quicker and then you develop a following on the main roster, and then you can get a singles run. So if I'm an NXT trainee, that's exactly where I'm going, especially the women's uh, trainees over there. Yeah, uh, good stuff. Uh, how about Sheamus Jeff Hardy? Because this feud, uh, it started hot. I, I really liked it, how you know it kind of was integrated in the Intercontinental tournament and then you had uh Sheamus I think Sheamus beat Jeff Hardy I'm not really sure I don't remember but um what are your guys thoughts on both the 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 superstar situations there and I I really I was saying uh, Pinello before you came on I wanted Sheamus to win the Intercontinental tournament I really thought that that would have thrown off a lot of fans uh that would have really I think that also would have meant a lot to Sheamus I mean from where he he was injured for what well over a year he comes back He's in the best shape of his life. Um, I, I still think they do have plans for him with a belt, maybe down the line. But I, I love Sheamus. I think this guy needs to be doing a little more. But as well, same, same goes for Jeff Hardy. He came back. Um, it's a shame what happened with Mac going to AEW. He's doing his thing there. But 
Jeff Hardy is looking great too. He's looking a little bit more um, muscular. You know, he looks like he's in pretty decent shape. But this whole drug testing thing, I just feel like they're desperate for for ratings, for views. Uh, I don't really think this is the best approach for the feud. What do you guys think of this feud? And what did you guys think of the match itself? The feud has been um, it's been surprising because I thought they did the same angle with CM Punk back in like '09. I thought they killed it that time around. Uh, this seems kind of forced for me. It kind of came out of nowhere. The only thing that I've really enjoyed was Jeff Hardy taking that urine test on SmackDown, like right in the middle of the ring. They had the fucking box around him. That that died. I was dying after that. But like, I thought, Je wouldn't you think Jeff would win this match for redemption? Like Sheamus, I thought Sheamus winning was pretty surprising. So I guess they're going to like keep this story moving here. They're probably going to keep it moving. I thought Jeff should have won. And uh, end of the story, you could add Sheamus, then turn his attention to AJ, Daniel Bryan. But yeah, like the way it's gone, it screams like their attention is lacking for Twitter, trying to get some buzz and trying to be edgy too much, like instead of it coming in naturally. So I'd like to see Jeff Hardy win. I want to see Sheamus become that legitimate mid-card guy in the intercontinental title scene wins something he's never done before the story there would be perfect him as a heel but uh if they're going with this jeff hardy direction i'm interested in it both guys can uh, i guess have something positive come out of it just uh yeah chris i agree with you like if you're gonna be edgy and just try to be like that just to get attention it's not the best at the end of the day well like i mean it it, it does work because it is Jeff Hardy and fans will always gr gravitate to him just based off of, you know, how different he's been in his career. But, you know, it, it's a perfect fit for Sheamus being in the Intercontinental division. I mean, he's older. You have a lot of young guys on SmackDown that want to, you know, taste gold. You know, Shinsuke hasn't had it for a while. Uh, Cesaro, another guy. Imagine Sheamus versus Cesaro for the Intercontinental title. Holy, like that just comes full circle. That's amazing stuff. That would bring it back to what, 2015 when they had those best of seven series. So I think, I think, I hope Vince and Triple H, they know what Sheamus brings to the table in terms of anything, being a tag team wrestler, um, you know, being a, a star by himself. And we've seen Sheamus. He's been in WWE for now, it's been, I think, 11 years, and he's a veteran. So even if he gets the Intercontinental title, He's also at that point in his career where he can put over young talent. So I think it's a win-win regardless. So I really do. I agree with you there, uh, Alino. I want to see maybe Sheamus feud with AJ or Daniel Bryan or someone of that nature just to kind of bring some more flavor to the Intercontinental uh, division. Even though they did this tournament, I thought that was absolutely fantastic. But I just I need to see Sheamus doing a little more than just some edgy storyline with jeff hardy i just feel like both even jeff hardy like you said pinello he did this 11 years ago like he should be doing something better than this now i mean i know it, it sucks that jeff hardy you know he hasn't had the career you know that maybe a lot of people expected him to be that main event player but i just i feel like it's just like you said it's forced like this whole thing was forced i didn't really even yeah sheamus winning it's like what does that amount to so I guess they're going to keep doing this uh, come SummerSlam. But the big question for us fans, you know, there's no fans in the audience is, do you think they really would have done this twice if there were fans in the audience? Like, I, I really have no idea. So uh, it, it, it changes a lot of things. 
But, but I do want to see Sheamus become a Grand Slam champ. I think he absolutely deserves it. But like I said before, the Raw Women's Championship was also on this show. I really had no idea because Becky, you know, just gave up the title, gave it to Asuka. Uh, with Nia Jax, the right contender here, I know the match ended in a double countout. You have to protect Nia Jax at all costs. How was the match for you guys? Uh, it was a bit of a sprint. It was a lot of um, Asuka coming out firing and then Nia throwing her around. A bit of a mess. Man, you kind of expect it out of like a raw main event when the match never fucking finishes. Then it's always, oh, we'll push it, just push it back to next week. So I think these guys, uh, these women are going to keep feuding for a little while. The match was fine, I guess. Like you, you knew right away the second it ended, okay, this is the feud going forward. So they're good together when given the chance. They didn't really get a whole a good chance to show what they can do in the ring together, but I'm, I'm still excited for this going forward. Yeah, I think it was a little forgetful on the pay-per-view. I think this would have been more suitable for Raw. They kept it for the night after. They could have had this as a, one of the big main events on the show and uh, maybe start the night with it, build around it, and, and I guess limit Nia Jax because if she's going to be in these title matches on pay-per-view, once she comes up short, she's not going to really be someone you want to think in that main event spot. So you look at Baszler, she was this dominant figure in NXT, comes up, and she wasn't even on the pay-per-view. So it's a situation where you, what are you doing with the Raw Women's Division? They need a clear long-term plan. I think SmackDown's done a way better job at uh, managing their Women's Division, having secondary storylines, like what we see with Mandy and Sonya, Lacey Evans and Sasha, and then whoever's challenging Bailey for the title. And then you saw Tamina, what they're doing with her. I think SmackDown has a way better idea and grasp of what to do with some of these stars and i think ron needs to follow suit yeah i agree it's spot on there i think Shayna baszler needs to put herself in this feud because oscar and nia Jax, you know like you could be as excited as you want for a program for a raw woman's title match but this this to me isn't it i think nia Jax. um you know, a lot of people are coming out saying Asuka's one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time. And, you know, you could talk about the accolades and everything she's accomplished in NXT and coming up and, you know, putting on that TLC match with uh, or uh, that triple threat, you know, uh, back in 2018. And, you know, she's just had a great run since, even though they remember there was that time there where she was very forgetful and and she was feuding with Carmella and losing to her. So she she came back. She's. She's doing her thing now, but I do think Shayna Baszler has to be inserted in this at some point. You just have three hard-hitting women going for the top prize. I think that would absolutely be I'd be outstanding. But again, like we talk about, it's all about depth sometimes. And when you don't have the depth, the interest level just is not there. And I think that's what has happened to me personally. I, I haven't really been that invested in the raw women's championship uh just maybe based off of the run becky had was phenomenal i don't see anybody topping that run at least for a long time and the match with Shayna baszler at wrestlemania was just so disappointing and now we obviously know why but it, it was just it's one of those situations where for me if there's no depth in the division you need to change the storylines. You need to change the script writing. You need to change, like you said, you need a fresh new star with it. And I do think maybe you have to maybe bring Lacey to Raw, maybe maybe Carmella to Raw, just someone different, someone someone different to Raw, and maybe shake it up a bit because 
like even though Nia Jax just came back, she doesn't have that interest level for me. And I don't and I, I think I could speak for the WWE universe in that stance too. Like Nia Jax, she's great, she's a great athlete. It's just the interest level and her, you know, her her move set and everything. It's just I don't know. I for me, if I feel like the world women's division is missing something. So I think they need to add some fuel to the fire. And Shayna Baszler, I think she has to win the title, man. I think I think it's a long time coming. I think she we all thought she was gonna win it in April. It's now June. I think, you know, I love Oscar. I think I would have rather have had maybe Shayna come out with Becky and be like, you know, you face me at Mania. I'll give you the title. So you could have Oscar still be the Miss Money in the Bank, and then you could have that uh, unpredictability. Instead of giving it to Oscar, Shayna's nowhere to be found, and it's like, okay, now we're just kind of in limbo. So, again, an- another thing I know I'm talking a lot. Another thing that really fucks it up is Alexa Bliss being in the tag division because she's she's a super she's a superstar. She's everyone talks about she's won everything and she gets handed everything, but they need a girl like Alexa Bliss right now. Uh, in that situation, imagine Oscar versus Alexa Bliss. I mean, I don't know if that would be good, but I think that would make fans a little more invested than Nia Jax versus Oscar. So that's that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> uh, then we have the the Universal Championship match. Um, no theme for this one. We had Braun Strowman versus <sighs> the Mint John Morrison. Now, last week, Alino said, you know, maybe uh, maybe give the belt to the Miz. And uh, that didn't happen. So, uh, Alino, start, or Chino Pinello, I'll start this one with you. Did this match really do any justice for you? And uh, did it do any justice for Braun Strowman's title run? Uh, it did not whatsoever. Uh, I said last week I didn't really see The Miz and Morrison as threats. I didn't want to call it a filler feud. I feel like that's insulting to those two guys because they're so amazing and everything that they do. You're going to pay attention. That's just the Miz and Morrison. But um, I will say the build to this, absolutely loved it. Love the way they're messing with Braun. Those skits every week, they just reel you in. There's uh, some solid work together. But, like, there's lots of ways you could have gone with it if you give the Miz and Morrison the universal title. Uh, or they thought they were going to be co-champions or they were doing that whole bit. But I don't know. I just didn't see them as threats. I think Braun's going to keep rolling with it and just keep on moving on to the next feud here. Yeah, I think the Fiend on Friday, we're going to probably see that's where they're going to set up that match with Braun Strowman. But uh, like Piniello was mentioning there about the whole skits and then leading into the pay-per-view, they actually thought they'd be co-champions if they won. And then they brought it to their attention. Like, you know, whoever wins is a champion. When they did that on the pay-per-view, I actually thought for that second, you know what? I think they're actually going with this. I think the Miz or Morrison's going to take it. And during the match, when Morrison hit... Uh, Strowman, and then after he pinned him and the Miz, like, took him out, he interrupted the count, I thought, okay, Miz is going to take it, but then they didn't go in that direction, so I do think Morrison will turn on the Miz here. I think the Miz's face run, he didn't really have enough time to really get it going. That whole feud with Shane McMahon was really good, and then uh, they turned him heel near the end of the year, going against Bray Wyatt, then he was more of an in-betweener, now he hasn't really gone full force into that heel run that he's had. So I think him in the middle here and Morrison as more of the heel of the team, I think this will lead to a perfect uh, turn for Morrison to turn on the Miz. And we see that title, uh, either if it's for a title, like in a mid Carter or just like a regular feud, I think it'd be great. Yeah. Um, 
I think, yeah, I think the Miz and John Morrison, like they're outstanding guys, but to win the Universal Championship at this point where you have the theme lurking, you have Braun Strowman, you have Daniel Bryan, you have AJ, like SmackDown is, we don't talk about SmackDown enough. Like SmackDown is loaded right now with talent. Um, there's no Roman Reigns. Uh, he's also a part of SmackDown, by the way. Uh, you have The Fiend, you have Braun Strowman, The Miz, AJ, Daniel Bryan, Sheamus. You have all these guys who can easily win the top prize. And um, like like uh, like Pinello said, it's not a filler feud by any means. But there's no way in hell that you're going into this pay-per-view thinking, okay, Braun's losing it to The Miz and John Morrison. And then we're going to have The Miz versus John Morrison for the top prize on SmackDown. I just... The first, like the first thing that came to my head was like how would Vince McMahon like react to that? And the first thing I saw in my head was no, no, like get like get this off. I don't want this. <laughs> he's not Braun Strowman. He doesn't have the size. He's like so like I don't know. Like I just feel like he's still in that mindset. I don't think you know he'll ever change. So I think Braun Strowman's gonna hold the title. I'll say for a little bit longer. Maybe SummerSlam will have the Fiend win. But again, it's predictable. The Fiend's going to win eventually. He's going to take it. But up next we had was something that wasn't as predictable. It was Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. We talked about it last week. You know, Bobby easily could win it here. He, he he's he's had a great run with MVP. He's looking really focused, rejuvenated. You know, motivated. But Drew McIntyre, guys, the top face in the company, he's been doing his thing. Um, is this the right call here for Drew McIntyre to retain, or did you guys maybe want to see a Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar for the WWE title at SummerSlam? Yeah, I thought actually Lashley would take it as the match was going on. They had a lot of near falls, and once Lana came out, that was a perfect way to like, okay, protect Lashley's mystique and his character, that everything they built him up for the last month. So. I understand why they did it. Now you as a champion, have another challenger. But uh, I think the way they had Lashley lose, it does keep the possibility open if they want to go in that direction with Lesnar. Uh, it doesn't have to be for a title. It could be a good attraction match if they want to do it at SummerSlam, somewhere in the middle of the card, or uh, somewhere after uh, one of the women's matches, right before the main event. This could be somewhere there to add some more buzz to the show. It doesn't even have to close it, so... I'm all for it, and uh, Drew's reign, it should be long. That's why two-month reign, I really was, wouldn't be a fan of that, so I'm kind of happy that they had him retain. Yeah, this was, uh, this was, yeah, this was a good one. I mean, I like Bobby attacking him before. I didn't really see that coming. That kind of threw me off. thought it would be a little shorter than expected, but um, the only real takeaway I got here was that Lana fucks up everything. Bobby looks like he's rolling. MVP, he's always getting him pumped up. MVP's been solid on the mic, by the way. Like, and then Bobby, um, yeah. And then he always looks like he's going to make that push through, and then Lana comes out and ends up fucking up the whole thing. So, And then you saw on Raw the next night after what uh, could eventually happen. So that's all I got there. I think Bobby's going to eventually get there. It's just a matter of timing. Him and MVP are doing awesome stuff. But uh, you got to ditch Lana, and then you'll get there, bud. Girls ruin everything. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we have the main event, the greatest wrestling match ever, Randy Orton versus Edge. Uh, this was 44 minutes. You know, um, their WrestleMania match, I think, was like 47 minutes. I, 
either way, this match, I, I, I watched it after, you know, I didn't watch, I, I rewatched it like after the fact. And this match was just storytelling the, like as best as it could be. And these two guys, you know, over the years, they've been in WWE for two de- well over two decades now. Um, especially edge, uh, these guys, you know, time and time again, they are just special. They're special talents. Um, what did you guys think overall the match? Uh, we saw Randy get busted open, you know, it, it got brutal at times. Um, I love the, you know, the angle slams, you know, the, the moves just brought back nostalgia. The storytelling brought back nostalgia. The end result brought back nostalgia. Everything in this match was just absolutely fantastic for me. I will start, I guess, with Pinello here. Now with Ed being injured for six to eight months, what is next for the rated R superstar? I would love to see a program with Christian. We saw on, uh, I, I don't think, I don't know if we're going to get to Raw, but um, just him kicking his fucking head off and getting him all wound up. Like, I think there, there's um, very similar to Edge. When you look back on Randy and uh, Christian's kind of story, there's, there's still a lot you could, a lot to give there. I think, like, they could tell a lot more great stories. But, you know, for the match itself, uh, obviously not the greatest ever, but, like, two guys where they are in their career, I thought they did amazing. Like, they did everything in this match. It's like they were trying to out-wrestle each other the first, like, 10 minutes. It started off like a dead... Like, you thought you were watching Brian versus Styles. Just trying to outdo each other with every single hold. And then they got into brawling and then started pulling out all the finishers. It was just... It was really intense. Absolutely loved the match. But after, yeah, I want to see Randy work with Christian. If, uh, if all things are right with Christian, I don't know what his situation is, but that's where my head's at. I want to see that too. Orton and Christian, especially now that Edge got injured, he's out for the rest of the year. I think Christian would be the perfect replacement for that. They can continue the feud. And then when Edge comes back, you can have that as a continuation of their feud. So I think coming in here is like him stepping in for his former tag team partner. It makes sense storyline-wise. They had a great feud in 2011. So pick up where they left off. Then when Edge comes back, they can, I guess, pick up where they left off too. So Orton going over here was... The right one. I think it was a more predictable outcome because uh, he lost at WrestleMania. This was a way to prove he's a better wrestler out of the two. And now at SummerSlam, I think that's where they wanted to close it. But now it looks like maybe Royal Rumble will have to close it out. Uh, uh, so we said, you know, Edge, he's going he's gonna to come back maybe Royal Rumble January. But, you know, Randy Orton is still very much here and he's going hard. You know, momentum. He's been he's rejuvenated. I think it's officially it's confirmed. He's not stale right now. He's one of the hottest guys. This kind this run is a little bit better than the run he had last year with Kofi Kingston. Remember when he was with the Revival and he would come out and eat RKO everyone? That was just I love that that too. But this this is on another level. This is like he's top heel right now. Do you guys really see? Do you guys see if Bobby Lashley doesn't win? Do you guys see Randy Orton maybe plugging his way? into the WWE championship scene, maybe come SummerSlam? I don't see why not. He's been one of the hottest heels, like you said. Randy's one of those guys um, where, like, whatever he's going to do, you're going to pay attention. He's just a natural-born storyteller. So a a feud with him and Drew, with the directions both of their characters have taken over the last little while, that would definitely be interesting. I wouldn't mind it if Christian can't go. 
I think Christian is cleared, but if he can't go like every single month, he can only have like a few matches. I would do Orton versus Drew. I think it's perfect. I like this Orton side where he's coming out, punting everyone, then he's apologizing to them after he did it and making sure they're okay. And then the stretcher, he's telling Christian, I'm so sorry. They're going to take care of you. These guys are going to make sure you're okay. And then at <laughs> Backlash, punted Edge, and then he's telling you, tell your kids, Uncle Randy says hi. <laughs> he's a sick fuck. So, yeah, I'm good with this Randy Orton character. He is a definite heel. He's going to make the fans rally behind the baby face. So I think this is perfect. I just, it, it brings, like, he's turning back into the 09 Randy Orton, where he punched the guy. And it's just a different psychotic vibe. Like the other time he would just, you know, talk in his head and just, he had the buzzed head or the shaved head and he just looked like a snake. He just looked terrifying. Sure. And you see him now. And he, he punts you, and then he's, it's like he's a schizo. And then he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it, but I did it. So um, this this side of Randy, to me, is is just amazing. The entertainment is there. The storytelling's there. He's been in WWE for so long, and you just forget about – like, you forget how long he's been there and how long he's been doing this. Like, we were just talking. Christian, that feud was nine years ago. Nine years ago. So – He's been doing it forever. I want to see him feud with Drew McIntyre if Christian can't go. Uh, I, I probably do predict Christian maybe being a part-timer where he'll maybe go every two, three months. Uh, maybe have like a marquee uh, uh, pay-per-view match, you know, if ratings are down. But other than that, I think either way with Randy Orton, you have a gem right now. Uh, even if you could have maybe Ric Flair align with him for management. But we all know Randy doesn't need him. You know, he's amazing on the mic, what he's doing, being the good guy, apolo- the apologetic asshole coming out and apologizing but not meaning it. You know, that's perfect. But I'll quickly talk about Raw quickly. So we already kind of talked about Randy, you know, coming out apologizing. But we got Kevin Owens versus Angel Garza. Uh, um, you know, as we saw, you know, Garza again, you know, he just gets screwed over. Um out of out of the two guys, out of Andrade and Garza, who do you guys see winning the feud, and who is the, who would be the face in that scenario? Ooh, uh, I want to say Garza would be the face. Just over the last couple of weeks, I, like it seems like they're hinting at a breakup in that in that trio over there, and it seems more like Andrade and Zelina are you know they're always on the same page, and then Garza seems to get screwed over, but. This they should have let this match run. Owens and Garza, that's very intriguing. I thought that they could tear the fucking house down, but I think that match was specifically just to kind of hint at that eventual breakup. But yeah, Garza may be the face there. Yeah, I think Garza's a face. I think they're gonna go in that direction because Zelina Vega and Andrade have been aligned for so long. They'll probably keep that together and I think this will be maybe somewhere where you can have a match at SummerSlam, a big match for Garza to showcase himself. He'll look uh, probably the two of them in the match, but you'll have to have Andrade go over. And then uh, maybe it'll lead to Garza getting more uh, popularity as a babyface, more opportunities in the mid-card, but I don't see him in that upper mid-card level yet. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, they have a gem in Garza. Just got to be a little patient. Uh, just like when Andrade first came up, you know, they were very hesitant for what program he's going to be a part of. I I, you know, I, I agree with Pinello. I want to see Garza maybe, you know, 
maybe have a few with Kevin Owens. Maybe you could start there, start with a veteran type guy that can bring out the best in him. Or you can maybe have one of the top experienced heels on Raw, maybe go up against Garza to kind of showcase his face ability. And I, I really do want to see Garza maybe just feud with Andrade. I think those matches would be absolutely incredible. Uh, we would be in for a treat almost every week, just like what we saw with Ray and Andrade about a year back at, on SmackDown. Those were just ridiculous. So um, either way, I think it's it's a smart booking decision for them. As we know, Raw needs they need to switch it up. I think it would be perfect. And I do feel like a, they're a little bit more. Um, what's the word? They're a little bit more uh, advertised week in week out than. Um, you know, theory and buddy and Seth in terms of like breaking up, I think it'd be a little bit better for them. Like, I don't want to see theory versus like Seth right now. Like Seth is, you know, doing other things. So um, I think in turn, what I'm trying to say is there's not really a leader in the group where Seth is the clear cut leader. You have Garza could do his own thing. Andrade can do his own thing. Selena could probably even do her own thing. So uh, I want to, I do want to see Garza maybe take the next step and maybe, you know, becoming a top face on the on the red brand. But then we saw Bobby Lashley backstage with MVP, you know, cussing out Lana, saying it's basically her fault. MVP is the he's the guy that starts it, says, you know, it's, it is Lana's fault. And Lashley's like, yeah, it is her fault. So I want a divorce. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if that just means, you know, it, uh, I didn't know marriages could end just like that, like that quickly. So um, <laughs> you know, do, it up, do it up Bobby. So uh I guess this is the motivation uh, MVP is trying to give to Bobby. It's like, yeah, it's just this girl. You know, you can have the belt. It's just her. Just get rid of her. Get a divorce. It's okay. He's like, okay, I'll do it, Dad. Okay, I'll get in a divorce. Okay, I'll get it. Get it's getting it's happening. So, so what do you guys think? What do you think is next for Lana? Well, I will say Lana's like, she's a phenomenal heel. She's great on the mic. I think she could help anyone out with her by her side. But this Lashley thing. It's been months now. I think it's run its course. Uh, <laughs> I kind of said it before. Every time she gets involved, it always ends up ruining things for Bobby. And it looks like MVP and Bobby, they're going to take that next step. So, yeah, just dump the broad. Are you in the group? All righty. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's just with Lana, I think they're hinting at her teaming with Natalia. Maybe that's a new team for the women's tag team title scene. I'm not a fan of it. Like, they had her come in. They had these weird pairings before, like Dolph Ziggler and then Rusev again. And then you had her now with Bobby Lashley. Like, I don't know where, what her role is in WWE. Like, I don't know if they're going to have her as a wrestler. Maybe Natalia is going to be in her corner instead. But there's a lot of weird pairings that they've done with her. Maybe she can be for Liv Morgan because they teased kind of that in December at that whole uh, wedding angle that they did. But... I just don't see a fit for her in WWE right now. It's odd to say because she's a great heel, but like, what can they realistically do with her? Yeah, I agree. Um, up next, we had one. You know, Akira Tozawa, we, we've seen a lot of cinematic experiences. And uh, we were supposed to see a tag team match at Backlash, but we didn't get that. So instead, we get a cinematic experience. And uh, Akira Tazama and his ninjas, because, you know, Vince McMahon, he's a he's kind of racist. If you we haven't made that clear already, you know, because he's Asian, you need to have ninjas. Um, the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits 
They faced Akira Tozawa and the Ninjas on Raw. What do you guys think is going on with this tag division? Do you think this is just a waste? Or do you think, you know, they really have nothing going for the tag team titles? So just just throw this in for fun, for jokes. Just throw it in. What are you guys' thoughts yep. on this? I know, I know, I know you like this, uh, this segment. Yeah, I really do. This shit kills me. When the, I think it was that backlash when the ninjas came out, like when they were in their park, parking lot there. And they're kind of making like that next step in the match. And like, what's going to happen? When they came out, I started laughing so hard. I got like spoof movie vibes. But like, you could obviously look at the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits and be like, oh, they can put on, they could tear the house down and put on these amazing matches. Man, when you look back on it, these skits are fucking hilarious. It's about these little moments in between that make everything. So eventually they're going to butt heads, but everything that's happening, building up to this, I am just all on board. I think they have to have a match for it. Like, they've had it too long, I think. If they did, like, a few skits here and there, and then had a match where, yeah, like, if the Viking Raiders have a match after the skit, like, one week you do the skit, the uh, Street Profits get the upper hand. Then the next week, the Viking Raiders beat them in a match. Like, one of them, like, either Ivar beats... Uh, Montez Ford and you can just do all that but by having these skits every single week it kind of takes away from the division as a whole because it keeps everything on hold for now until these guys actually get in the ring and have a match for it so the more they delay it it's just going to take away from a new potential tag team on Raw coming up and getting momentum and even making a name for themselves I think you look at Smackdown what they did with the tag titles you have the New Day the Forgotten Sons were even in the mix for a little bit the Usos They've done a lot more, similar to the women's division. So I think Raw needs to figure a lot of things out over there. Up next, we had Rey Mysterio on the Jumbotron. And we had Seth Rollins just hanging out in the ring, talking. He was going mano-a-mano with Dominic. And then, of course, Dominic, being the guy that he is, just attacks Seth Rollins from behind and then runs like a coward. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Do you guys expect Dominic to maybe make his in-ring debut against Seth Rollins at Extreme Rules? Or do you think they're going to do this Buddy Murphy, Seth Rollins versus the Mysterios? (laughs) Nah, Dominic's got to answer for what he did. He whipped the Messiah from behind, and now he's got to pay for it. But, like, yeah, Seth's been on fire with his heel mic work. Just comes off as a brash, arrogant asshole. Uh, my God, this just keeps progressing every week. This was awesome. Uh, him and Ray going back and forth, and then you saw you saw the emotion behind Dominic. Everything just works so well here. So, yeah, good stuff all around. Uh, Dominic being the badass in the family, coming up, getting revenge for Ray. It kind of poses a really interesting thing. Like, how good is Dominic as a wrestler? Because he. Like a lot of people, yeah, he's a second generation wrestler. His dad was a wrestler, but you look at all the other guys. Like Randy Orton went through developmental and OVW. The Rock for a little bit. He was on the indie scene and in like Memphis and all that. Charlotte went through NXT. Dominic's going straight to the main roster against one of the top guys. So kind of excited to see like how good he actually is. Because if he's making this huge leap forward and already being ready to go on TV, he had that program with Brock. He was in the mix there, so. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at just how good he is in the ring, and maybe they're fast-tracking something here. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, if you're going to just make that jump right away, there's he, he has to be special. And I think 
a lot of people say, oh, he's just Ray's son, so he's going to get that opportunity because he's Ray's son. But he's been putting in the effort. He's, you could tell that he's, you know, he's he's there. He's he's a big boy. Uh, he's not Ray Mysterio. He's not five foot six. He's, you know, he looks like he's about five ten, maybe five eleven. Um, I do like what they're doing here with Seth Rollins. I think this is if there's going to be a guy where you make a debut, it's against Seth Rollins, especially the heel work that he's done. Uh, it, it's been phenomenal, and I, I no, no doubt in my mind, I have Seth Rollins winning the Universal Title at some point down the line, or the WWE Title down the line. That's just how important he is WWE. But man, oh man, like I thought. After Becky going, you know, uh, with the pregnancy, I really thought maybe he would take a break as well. But man, was I wrong. And I'm glad I was wrong because he has been the probably the, the second. I'll say he's been the second best heel behind Randy right now in the company. And uh, after that, it's not even close. I think it's Randy one, Seth two, and then the field after that. Maybe AJ's third, Bobby. They're all up there. But I don't really count the Fiend as a heel just because everybody loves him. Everybody loved the theme. They love the mind games. They love the match with John Cena, basically him mocking John Cena in that whole match. But I'm getting off topic here. Uh, I really do want to see Dominic, you know, make his in-ring debut, surprise everybody, dominate, and then maybe, just maybe, be a mainstay on Raw. And maybe he could have a feud with Andrade or Garza, and you could, you know, bring back that, you know, Mexican tradition. You know, you could keep it going. Or maybe... Just maybe if the match goes really well, maybe he can, Seth Rollins can reel him in into his group and say, hey, man, you know, you put on a hell of a match. I respect you. I don't respect your dad, but I respect you. How would you like to be a part of the Monday Night Messiah? (laughs) He's a great manipulator. I can see him doing that. And I, I would be very, very excited to see Dominic align with Seth Rollins down the line. Oh, That'd be interesting. Imagine that as a match, Dominic versus Ray. Oh man, that'd be hilarious. Anything <laughs> I would see every time, like if they if they were to fight, I'd just be like, I'd just be thinking of Eddie with the bedtime story. <laughs> <laughs> Dominic. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anyways, what next we had was the Iconics. They just they just destroyed Natalia and Liv Morgan like it was nothing. Uh, <laughs> like I didn't I didn't get this at all the weird pairing with Liv and Natalia, but I was expecting big things from Liv Morgan, and she has not done a damn thing. So, what are you guys' thoughts? I guess I'll start with that. What are you guys' thoughts on you know we saw the vignettes with Liv Morgan. And both of the Royal Rumble appearances were absolutely terrible. But what do you guys expect with Morgan down the line? A lot of the same. I don't think they know what they really have in Liv Morgan. She's still only like 25 years old. She's still very fresh. But like this whole segment was basically the Iconics are coming. And they kind of just made Liv and fucking Natalie's been there forever. They made her look like pretty much nothing. So... I didn't take a whole lot out of this segment, but for Liv, I think she's just going to be floating around until they have an idea for her, honestly. Yeah, it looked like at WrestleMania that they had high hopes for her. She beats Natalia. She looks like she's getting this big push, and then back down she goes. So it's a little odd. It's kind of like they're trying to build a new character in her. They don't know what 
they want to do with her, what the direction is going forward. But yeah, I think right now, the last month and a half after WrestleMania, where it looked like she was having turning into this promising baby face, looks like she's down on the depth chart right now. What are you guys' uh, thoughts on the Apollo Crews Shelton Benjamin match? I haven't seen Shelton Benjamin in sheets in a long time, and you see MVP, you know, trying to persuade Apollo Crews to join him. Uh, is that a little hint down the line? We're going to see Apollo, uh, Bobby, and MVP because imagine you know both those guys as the champs on Raw and MVP as the mouthpiece. Damn, that's solid stuff. But what were your guys' thoughts on this match? Did it really help? Apollo Crews, Benjamin, anyone involved? I think it helps Apollo a little bit. I mean, it was pretty short and sweet, but he got the he got the surprising victory, holding the ropes there. So he's having fun as U.S. champ. He's just having a good time. But MVP, fucking, he's involved with the 24-7 title later on in the night, trying to recruit the U.S. champ, trying to get the W. This guy's all over the place, MVP. So uh, I could definitely see them aligning. I don't know how they'd go about it, but... An Apollo uh, Crews heel turn would be pretty interesting because he's always fucking smiling and no one even knows he, if he has that side to him. So I'd be intrigued to see that. Yeah, it's much of the same. Like you see Apollo Crews when he was with Titus O'Neil, it looked like they had this big thing planned and they were going to be heels, but it was just much of the same with Apollo. Like they come out do the t- Titus Worldwide thing. Akira Tozawa was there too, Dana Brooks. So they didn't really have characters in that group. Now with MVP kind of persuading him and then him going in the match and doing that quick uh, grab the rope, get the win using a heel tactic. Now I can actually see him be a heel. If they just had him out of the blue show up with MVP, I wouldn't have been able to see it. But that win over Sheldon Benjamin, now I can actually see the wheels in motion, turning him heel and kind of be interesting to see what him and Lashley could do as a team. It's pretty funny too, like, I'm going to talk now about the main event. Well, not the main event, but this match in particular. Our truth and Drew versus Bobby and MVP for winner-take-all match. I thought they were really screwed up here. I think uh, they, they, could have done a, they could have done this completely different. I love how they kept saying, well, you know, our truth if you get pinned, you know, Drew loses the, he loses the title. So, like, I love how he kept bringing that up. And Drew, you know, you could tell he was fed up with our truth He's like, why? Why would you accept the challenge? Like, I didn't want to, I didn't really want to accept it. But of course, you know, Drew McIntyre retains and, and, and everything is, it made no sense storytelling wise because Lana didn't interfere in the match, which, you know, you all, we all expect it to happen. Our truth didn't cost Drew McIntyre his title. And, you know, if they really want to have, and, you know, MVP, he just failed, he failed his client. He failed, he got pinned, he failed Bobby Lashley in the match. So if they're going to have Bobby Lashley win the WWE title, they're really booking it in a weird way where it's like, can Bobby really do this by himself? Like we really have no idea. So what were your guys thoughts on this match? You know, they, they brought this up quite a bit during raw, but I, I have a lot of, I had a lot of questions here. Like for storytelling, I think they, they were, this was absolutely terrible. It didn't, it didn't do the job at all, but, I guess you could say it's fun to see our truth in that situation. Yeah, this was um, the the match was fine. I guess they were building it up pretty much all night. But um, I surrender to humor. Like just seeing our truth and Drew together. Like just seeing how different they are. How our truth kind of takes everything as a joke, and then Drew being this this fucking serious killer. Just seeing those dynamics together. Seeing how they worked. 
I, I was a fan. I'm not going to lie. So it didn't really, it kind of came out of nowhere, but seeing it play out throughout the whole night, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, with Lashley, like the thing is here with Extreme Rules, if they don't have a plan to give Lashley the title, I don't want to see a rematch because two losses for the title I don't think would do have a positive effect on them. If they want to go in an opposite direction as like one filler pay-per-view match in between like the big SummerSlam, Big Four, I would actually not rule out. What if they do R-Truth versus Drew McIntyre for the title? You have him come out, he helped them win, and just takes R-Truth as a joke, and then all of a sudden, R-Truth turns that serious side back on, and they bring up the past. Like, they had that documentary on R-Truth on the network about his time in TNA and being the champ there. They have some footage they can use. Maybe they want to make R-Truth more of a legit uh, contender. You have him just for one pay-per-view, bring that side out of him, and challenge Drew. But I don't. if it's Drew and uh, Bobby again... If Lashley loses, that could damage his, uh, I guess, his momentum in the last couple months. So I don't want to see it if he doesn't win the title. Wow. If we see R-Truth versus Drew McIntyre, that would just, that would be the most surprising thing of, 20, of 2020. Not the virus, not all this shit that's happened. R-Truth getting a WWE title shot against Drew McIntyre. That would be, I, I don't even have words. Remember that the would, segment with Brock? <laughs> looked like they were going to go with him and Brock. <laughs> I, you know God. what? A part of me wishes our truth won the money in the bank. Like he just went out and like took it and stole it or whatever. And he, <laughs> I'm the money in the bank. I will cash in. And he, like he's like, I'll cash in on Brock Lesnar. And he's like, no, 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 you're not going to win, though. Truth, you're, you're not going to win. So I just feel like if they were going to do that, Alino, I feel like him holding the briefcase would have been like, the most sense like it would have been entertaining as hell it's like our truth is the money in the bank winner but you know what knowing our truth he'd probably cash in on like the women's championship just <laughs> <laughs> cash in on the 24 7 title yeah he wouldn't even cash in for the wwe title so i don't know um i think that would be funny regardless but i do agree i think if lashley feuds again you know at extreme rules and loses it's like Back-to-back losses, like, what the hell happens now? Like, you you still have the mouthpiece and MVP, but it's not the same. So, I really do think Drew needs to lose. I mean, maybe, like, you know, a lot of people will hate me for this, but, you know, Drew McIntyre's done such a great job. I think it's just the chase is always better than him having it. You know what I mean? Like, so there's some superstars, you know, when you, you're chasing for something, it's worth it. Like, look at Kofi Kingston. When he was chasing it on Daniel Bryan, it was just everyone was interested. Now now that I'm thinking about it, Bobby Lashley chasing for the WWE title, I don't think I've ever been this invested in Bobby Lashley, especially, you know, who he has around him. So I really do think that if he loses here and then they really do nothing with Bobby, it's like, okay, scrap this, like, like I have no idea what would happen with Bobby after the fact, so I wouldn't be opposed to seeing maybe our truth get a shot or Randy Orton get a shot at least for now, and then you could build Bobby maybe in a month or two months. So they have a lot of options on Raw. Uh, I really hope they don't screw it up, but uh, you know the WWE Championship is the focal point, so they 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 need to relatively you know gear up for anything solid with that championship. But then, of course, again on Raw, I don't know why this happened. Oscar versus Nia Jax for the women's title again. 
fly back to back nights. We knew what was going to happen. Um, roll up to me was hilarious to see. But uh, what were what were your guys' thoughts on this match? Was it better than their backlash? What's next for Nia Jack? She loses back to back title matches. Like so many. This is kind of the exact same situation. It was unnecessary. It wasn't as good as the previous night. And now you're looking at if Nia loses again, it's like, what the hell is all of this for after coming back from her big injury? But actually, yeah, that's it. I, th I think it's the very same situation that we just had with Drew and Bobby. Uh, you didn't have to have this segment. You could have done something else here. It, it just doesn't look that good for Nia right now. But uh yeah, I, th I think the whole takeaway from this podcast has been Raw should take a seat and just watch SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, and I don't know where they're going with it. Like, Paul Heyman, like, even though he was creative director or whatever the hell the position was called, like, it goes through Vince McMahon at the end of the day, so he can only suggest so much. He can have his like group of guys and women that he wants to push, but you can only do so much in that role, and. I don't even know if Paul Heyman could do as much as he wants. Sure, he got some of his guys over that. Okay, like I want Humberto Carrillo, I want Angel Garza, these fresh faces, like Austin Theory to come up. But if you can't really have a hundred percent creative role, you're not really shaping the direction of the programming. So your hands are kind of tied in that role with what you can do with Nia Jax and all these other stars. And then, of course, we had the main event, Christian, you know, um, getting advice from Big Show, Ric Flair, Samoa Joe, basically saying you're an idiot for accepting a face of the Viper. Um, you know, the bell rang and Flair with the low blow and then the punt. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on this, even the build, you know, throughout the night? Did you guys think that this was, you know, supposed to be you know, uh, motivating or was this, was this supposed to be like hyping up the crowd? I all like, I thought, I thought we were going to get a match here and we didn't get a match. Um, do you guys think that was maybe the better option with what they went with? Or did you want to see maybe a match on raw because the build was, it was there. Like he talked to big show. He talked to Ric Flair. I thought, you know, they, they, there at least would have been something, but again, never trust Ric Flair. So I'll start with Pinello. What did you, what did you think of this? And of course, I guess the biggest question coming out of this segment is, do we believe Christian is clear to compete? And if he is, like, what do we expect from Christian versus Randy Orton? I expect them to beat the holy hell out of each other because there is just so much animosity between the two, uh, given everything that happened with Backlash and just their story in general. But I love the way this played out on Raw. Uh, building it up all night, Christian not knowing if he should... Uh, engage randy or not and he's having you know big show and flair all these wild grizzled vets telling him what to do um which is funny because christian's a legend himself but just the situation it's very intense and then the way randy handled it after i thought like the crowd reaction would be like just like shocks like oohs and ahs kind of like that so like the build it's just gonna keep getting stronger i'm very excited for uh, this feud going forward yeah, I'm kind of glad the way, like, if Christian came out in his gear and everything and was all prepared for a match, it probably wouldn't have the same effect. I'm glad that they went in this direction, have him take a low blow, take a pawn, and it's all over. Because then you want to see where it develops. And having Orton and Christian safe for a pay-per-view, 
you could probably do something similar where you have Christian's preparation to come back like they do with Edge. Like you can see him, uh, the kind of struggles it takes to get back into ring shape. So they can use that to build it up. And maybe next week or two weeks from now, we see uh, an announcement made like, oh, Christian is going to face Randy Orton in Extreme Rules. The match is official. And you can have the vignettes and the promos build from there. So kind of glad they went in that direction. Some awesome stuff in wrestling. Uh, Alino, do you have anything to add in terms of basketball or hockey? Oh, yeah, the NBA. Uh, see, they made some announcements there about uh, return to play, and they kind of outlined uh, all the perks that some of these players are going to have when they go to Orlando. They have three different hotels based on seating. So, uh, they also even have something where you can go to other games. They're kind of following suit with WWE and AEW and having, like, I guess, some sort of crowd. So what are your thoughts on that? Should players be allowed to go other games and, like, scout and, uh, I guess, be involved with the action? Or should they be limited to the kind of access they get? Um, I, think, I think it's good either way. You know, if you're limiting access, you know, you're obviously safe. You're healthy. Um it also could mean more training. Uh, but even if you're there, I think it benefits the fans. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you are an athlete, you always want to please the fans. The fans will put money in your pockets time and time again. Look at all the shoe deals. Look at what MJ started. We can go all the way back there. But um, I think I think it's maybe better if they don't go to the games. Um, I heard rumors that they're going to put 2K uh, the NBA 2K sounds during the games, so I think that's you know different. It's smart. Uh, they're quick. They're, they're thinking quick on their feet. But like you said, Alino, I think either option is good. You know, it's either you're benefiting yourself through training more with your teammates, or you're benefiting the fans and bringing that, you know, bringing that noise and that experience. But again, I don't really know how they're going to do it if they're going to have opposing teams go and watch because. Like you said, like scouting is a big aspect of the NBA and sports in general. So I don't know if that's validating or, or you know, uh, what's it called? Affecting the teams or whatever. So I think for now, the best case is to just limit it and just have these guys train because they haven't played in like three, four months. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of pretty much what you said there. I'm not okay with other players watching their games. I think that would kind of fuck with the scouting. I don't know if that's exactly fair, even though you pretty much know what you're going up against. But it will, it's going to be nice. I like the what wrestling did, filling every not filling the crowd up, but you know, putting some noise around the boards there. Um, so it's going to have that nice playoff feel to it. So yeah, it's all good. That could be kind of interesting. You're going to see like. The Lakers play, and let's say they're playing the Pelicans. You're going to see Kawhi sitting in the stands. I thought he would go. He'd probably just sleep in his hotel, that's, and that's it. That's weird. <laughs> but, like, Paul George would be there. Like, it's, it kind of takes away. You're trying to focus on one opponent, and you have to have these fucking guys, your rivals, sit in the stands. Like, it's kind of odd. It would screw with your mind. So, yeah, I'm not really for that. Maybe you can just have team personnel, like the Clippers uh, training staff and medical team on hand in case there's an injury. Have the other team's medical and they can be in the stands cheering on, but in terms of players, that's kind of weird, like, for the whole game. Yeah. That's basically it for this week. Um, 
I thought, you know, this week was pretty, pretty solid. It was mostly wrestling. You know, uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll keep our, we'll keep, we'll keep our eye on Randy, you know, seeing where he goes. If he feuds with Christian, if he feuds with Drew, if he feuds with whoever, we have no idea, but um, just make sure to stay tuned guys. Uh, by the way, we didn't even talk about it this Friday. Matt Riddle is making a SmackDown debut. So I guess I will end off the pod with this question. I'll start it with Pinello. Pinello, what do you see Matt Riddle doing on Friday? And what do you think is his best ideal feud right out the gate? Well, we have a new Intercontinental Champion in AJ Styles. I don't exactly know what his direction is. So you can bring a guy like Matt Riddle in and uh, just think of those two together. Yeah, it'd be, I don't know if I'll, like going for the title right away, like I don't want to see him lose his first match, but Matt Riddle, another guy I was thinking maybe Shinsuke can have uh, those two have a really good match and establish Riddle as a, I guess a guy who can go in the ring and then you have him face uh, AJ, but yeah, I'm all for him being on SmackDown. I think that's a perfect fit. I think Raw would have been like you would have just been floundering up and down the cards. So I think on SmackDown they have a clear direction for him. That's awesome. Well, anyways, guys, that was episode 85. Make sure to to listen to us on all of our socials, on all the platforms that we use, Castbox, you know, YouTube, Spotify, every everywhere. Just we're everywhere. So make sure you guys to stay tuned there. And make sure to stay tuned for next week, episode 86.